Hello and welcome to the Righteous Remnant Podcast. If you'd like to support our ministry or find out more about us, you can do so at therighteousremnant.org. All right, welcome to the Righteous Remnant Podcast. Roe versus Wade was recently overturned, and so many Christians are celebrating online, which is a wonderful thing, um, but many are also experiencing a lot of pushback. And so I wanted to take an episode and just talk a little bit about social media engagement, because um, you know, I started posting on social media when I was in college, and um, I got a lot of pushback that I was not expecting, and I had to learn a lot of things, you know, through trial and error over several years, and so I just basically want to pass down some of the principles that I've learned for engaging with people online, and, um, you know, first of all, I think a lot of people are like, well, why? Christians shouldn't even engage online at all. You know, and to be honest, that's the position of a, a lot of pastors, even, and a lot of leaders in the body of Christ. And that's because, you know, people are concerned that if you are posting stuff online, really what you're just doing is needlessly offending people. And, um, you know, I, I just simply don't think that's true because, number one, the exact same thing could have been said about all of the prophets who spoke, you know, in the Old Testament. Um, the apostles, they were needlessly offending people with this stuff. And um, that is not the way God sees it. And that's really not the way we should see it, right? And, you know, the other way to think about it is like this. You know, I always say that, you know, the way the atheists do evangelism is really not the way that Christians do it, right? Christians, we tend to focus on things like contact evangelism, where you send people out two by two, you know, to go try and convince somebody to be a Christian in, you know, a 15-minute conversation or something like that. And, um you know, I think there is a place for that. I'm not saying there's no place for that. But all I'm simply saying is that when was the last time you ran into, you know, two atheists who were trying to convince you that atheism was the truth? And probably never, right? Um, they don't really do that. But what they do do is they make their cases in places like their social media feeds, right? They make their cases in books and public places like that, and people find them. So, I think there is an important aspect for speaking out on social media and other places of influence. And really, it does it does convince people, it does sway people towards your worldview. And for me, you know, I got convicted because, you know, when I was in college, I was becoming increasingly conservative in my political views. Um, and I was realizing that a lot of political things and religious things were kind of, you know, intertwined, you know, and... Um, and I remember I would look on my Facebook wall and all all that I would see would be liberal and anti-Christian opinions. And I remember one time I was, you know, I was looking at Facebook and I just got really convicted. I got really convicted that, you know, most people's Facebook walls were probably a lot like mine if you lived in California. And I thought about all of the youth group students, the high school students, all of the college students who they're constantly being influenced by these opinions. And it's simply because people like me who had the opposite opinions were not voicing them. And, um, you know, for me at the time, it was, well, you know, I just didn't have a paradigm for why that would be important. But when I realized that and I just got really convicted about it, I realized, man, I need to speak up. I need to say something because I need to at least, you know, I need to give younger believers um the other side of the story because they probably don't see it. Right. And you know, here I am, it's like 20 years later, I still feel largely the same. I still feel largely the same. And it's still 
pretty similar. Um, and so I'll simply say that's how I got conviction to start speaking out on social media um, and in other formats. And so I want to give five principles, okay, five principles for engaging in social media. And I'm going to provide scripture um, for all of these, okay? So number one, the first principle is this. Post on things that you have conviction about, okay? Post on things that you have conviction about. And what I mean by that is don't feel obligated to post on something because, you know, it's the Christian position or because, you know, you think it's a good idea per se, um, post on something that you have a real heart conviction about, okay? And because there's a difference between what I'm convinced about, what I think, and what I have conviction about. Those, those, these are all different things, okay? So I might be convinced, you know, that, you know, Calvinism is wrong or something like that, right? Um, but you don't necessarily need to speak out on that, okay? Because whenever you speak out, you are going to offend people, which is going to be, you know, our next principle to talk about. So you shouldn't needlessly enter into, you know, dialogues where you know people are going to be offended, right? Um, But if you have conviction about it, and what I mean by that is that you have a sense of this is important that we fight for this truth, right? This is a truth worth fighting for. I see the effect, the negative effect that the lie is having, and I just feel this, this sense that God wants me to speak out about it, okay? That's conviction, All right. And those are the things you absolutely should speak out about. And I believe part of that can be speaking out on social media. Okay. And so let me give a couple of verses here. All right. So Psalm 94, 16 says, who will rise up for me against the wicked? Who will take a stand for me against evildoers? All right. This is the idea that God is looking for those who will rise up against the wicked, who will take a stand against evil. All right, like this is an important obligation in the Christian, you know, responsibility, the, the Christian playbook. This is an important responsibility, but it's not well understood in our current Christian climate, right? Our current Christian climate tends to emphasize things like, hey, we need to be loving, we need to be inclusive, we need to be this and this and this. But the truth is, no, there is an important place for standing against evil and sometimes publicly, okay? Like, that's an important thing, all right? In Matthew 5, Jesus said, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Okay, so I I selected this verse because I think the principles here are really not well understood in the church a lot. Okay, but this idea that when Jesus is saying you, he's really speaking to his followers, okay, his followers, all right, the people of God are the salt of the earth, all right, and the idea here is that the salt, um, it, it preserves, right, the salt preserves, okay, and, but if the salt loses its salt, if it stops preserving, how can it be made salty again, okay, and so the idea is this, our nations or our cities, the places of our influence, okay, have to be preserved in righteousness. And if they lose the righteousness, meaning if the people of God stopping an influence for righteousness in their culture, all right, 
then they're no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Okay, now I understand that this is hard for many Christians to understand because there's so much emphasis these days on how God loves us and how we're so special to him and, you know, all this kind of stuff. And the thing is, there is some truth in that, okay? And there's a lot of truth in that, I would say, okay? God really does love us, all right? But here's also the other part of the truth, that he will allow us to share in the judgments of our nation, okay, if we stop being an influence for righteousness, okay? And this should not be surprising to us, because this is exactly what we see in the scriptures, right? When we look at, you know, the prophets, the biblical prophets, when we look, you know, at at someone like Jeremiah, right? Jeremiah spoke strongly to his people that they were in sin, that they needed to repent of idolatry and these types of things. Um, and he was saved by God from the worst from the worst of the judgment. The judgment was the invasion of Babylon, right? So Babylon comes in, it invades um, Judah, just like um, Jeremiah warned. Um, and Jeremiah is spared from the worst of that, okay? he doesn't experience some of the stuff that the other, like the king, I think he has his eyes gouged out, right? Like he, there's some really terrible stuff that happens to the Jews, okay? Jeremiah spared from that, but he still shares in some of the judgment of his people. And he writes the book of Lamentations, right? Where it's, it's all about him lamenting for what has happened, the judgment that God has allowed to come upon, you know, Israel. And in the same way, we should understand that we are not exceptions to this principle, all right? The people of God, we are called to be light and salt, but if we lose our saltiness, if we lose our our influence of righteousness, okay, we stop being influential for righteousness, then we deserve to be thrown out and trampled underfoot, okay? That language of being trampled underfoot is classic biblical judgment language of having na- have, having foreign armies trample um your city, okay? That's the idea, all right? That foreign armies are allowed to trample your city. Okay, and that's, by the way, exactly what happened to Jerusalem, all right? Jerusalem, in Jesus' time, you know, when he warned about this here in Matthew 5, right, what happens? Well, 70 years later, right, well, in AD 70, I should say, they're conquered by the Romans, and the city is trampled underfoot, okay? So he's giving them this warning, right, and this is exactly what happens um, to Jerusalem, all right? But he goes on to say, you are the light of the world, okay? And in, in biblical symbology, light always represents truth, okay? Light represents truth. So we're the ones who speak truth so that people can actually see, all right. So the idea is that if there is no light, then people walk around in darkness. All right. They walk around in darkness. There's confusion. There's de- mass deception. Right. And people are needlessly getting hurt and things like that. Okay. Needlessly being destroyed. But the role of God's people is to speak truth. And when we speak truth, we become the light of the world where we are helping people to understand right versus wrong so that they don't do things that destroy them, all right? That's the idea here, okay? And so we are to not hide our light under a bowl. We're to put it on a stand, and we're to, we're to declare the truth to everyone so that everyone can understand what's right and wrong, okay? And this is Jesus's command for us, okay? So we do need to speak out. We do need to speak out, all right? Post on things you have conviction about, all right? But don't what you want the trap that you want to 
refrain from is speaking out on everything, right? Having an opinion on everything or feeling like you have conviction on everything, okay? Now, you know, maybe you do, and, and I can't be the judge of that, but the point is you are going to be judged on what you say, all right? So James, you know, in James 3, he says, not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly, Okay, so the idea is this, that when we presume to teach others about right and wrong, we, we should know that we are going to be held accountable to the influence or the fruit that our teaching bears, all right? So if we are presuming to teach, right, we, we need to understand we're going to be held accountable to that, all right? So that's why I say don't necessarily feel like you have to speak out on everything, all right? But when you have conviction from the Lord, then absolutely speak out on it. Okay, when you have conviction from the Lord, absolutely speak out on it. Okay, all right, so that's principle number one. Principle number two is that you, if you're going to speak out on social media, you should expect persecution. All right, you should expect sometimes people are going to get upset, people are going to get offended, you will lose friends, right? You can lose your job in certain circumstances. Okay, you can, um, you know, lose, miss out on future job opportunities. You can. You know, have it influence your acceptance to different organizations, to, you know, colleges. There's lots of different things, ways that this could affect you. So I want you to be fully aware of what you're getting yourself into when you're speaking out online, okay? Now, a lot of people know that, which is why they don't speak out online, okay? I would say simply like, hey, that's part of the deal, okay? Sharing in persecution for righteousness is part of the deal. Okay, and I do want to be clear about this. Now, you might speak out in such a way that you are, you know, just being really obnoxious, all right? You don't get a reward from God <laughs> for being obnoxious and offending people, right? And and you can't you and then on the day of judgment, God's not going to be like, "Hey, you know what? You're really obnoxious, but I'm going to reward you for that." Okay? You don't get a reward for that, okay? Now, I have great hope that God's going to be very merciful to us in the judgment. All right, meaning that he judges us primarily by our intentions, right? Primarily by the motivations of our heart. Because the truth is all of us, none of us speak perfectly, okay? And this is part of, you know, when I'm encouraging people who are ministering, like if you're leading worship or you're going to speak and you're not used to speaking, well, you're probably going to be kind of scared. What if I say something wrong, right? What if I, what if I mess this up? And the truth is, look, yeah, you probably will. <laughs> you probably will mess up sometimes, right? And if you're if you're preaching, you probably will preach some things that later on you're going to regret, okay? And be like, "Man, I you know, I've changed my opinion on that. I think that was probably wrong at the time." Or maybe I said something that it was really dumb. I didn't mean to say it like that. I should have said it differently. Yeah, you always have to take that risk, but I have great hope that God is merciful with us, okay? If we're trying to serve him, we're trying to do what's right. Okay, I think he gives us a lot of grace, and I think that there, you know, are lots of biblical examples of that. But it's also the way that you know we operate. Like if you're teaching your kids something and they don't get it quite right, you know, you don't, you're not super harsh with them if you're a good parent because you understand they're in training. You're you're teaching them. Okay, so I'm not saying that you should live in an incredible fear that you're not going to say it perfectly. Don't do that because none of us say things perfectly. Okay, but I am saying that if you're going to speak out, and even if you do it completely right, you're still going to offend people. You're still going to offend people, all right? And this is going to happen, and it will cost you. I'd like to say that, you know, hey, if you get fired from your job or whatever, well, the Lord's going to provide a new job for you. And he might. He might, but he might not, okay? The the scripture doesn't say 
you know, hey, if you do something right and you get fired for it, you know, in two days, God will provide a new job for you. It doesn't say that, right? It says you will be rewarded in eternity. <laughs> okay? Now, there is also the truth that in addition to your eternal reward, you do also get rewards in this life also. Okay, the way that Jesus put it is nobody who leaves father or mother or brother or sister or children for my sake will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this age and in the age to come. Okay, so there is a hope that there is reward in both ages, and I do believe that. But all I'm saying is that there is going to be short-term suffering. Okay, there is going to be short-term suffering in a lot of these cases, and you have to go in expecting that God is not going. His He doesn't promise to keep you from persecution. Okay, there is no promise in Scripture that he will keep you from suffering, that he will keep you from persecution. No, that he will keep you from hardship. All the guarantees are exactly the opposite, right? Anybody who will follow, who, who, you know, would be my disciple must take up their cross, deny themselves, and follow me, right? In this life, you will have tribulation, Jesus said, okay? And in Matthew 5, he says this specifically about speaking out for righteousness. He says, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Okay, so Jesus is saying here, like you get a you get a great blessing if people s- slander you and persecute you for the sake of righteousness. You do something right, like speak the truth in love and you're persecuted for it, you should rejoice and be glad. Why? Because great is your reward in heaven, okay? So having a strong theology of eternal rewards, I think is actually really important to be able to rightly go through persecution, okay? Because look, I've been through a a lot of minor persecution. I've never experienced major persecution. I've been through a lot of minor persecution, and I'll tell you, it's hard when you go through it. Okay, it's hard and like it doesn't feel good and you get hurt, right? And it's lonely and all this kind of stuff. And when that happens, scripture says you need to rejoice. Okay, and rejoicing is the secret, okay, to not stumbling from the persecution that comes. Okay, because the temptation for us is when somebody says, oh my gosh, you know, you, you post something about how it's great that Roe versus Wade was overturned, and somebody comes back and says, you fake hypocritical Christians, you only care that people are forced to have babies, you don't care about taking care of the baby, right, this is one of the classic things that you see online, right, you don't care about any of this, you're a hypocrite, and I hate you, and this is why I never want to follow God, okay, well, yeah, that that can be kind of hurtful, right, when you have somebody that you care about say something like that to you, all right, and it can be really discouraging, because that entire line of argument, that I gave the example right there, is intended to discourage you from ever posting something like that again. That's the purpose of why that person said something like that, okay? And so the answer is that you need to rejoice in that place, okay? You need to rejoice, Father, thank you. Thank you that I am able to share in your sufferings in this very small way. Lord, thank you for that, Lord God, all right? Thank you that you will reward me, Lord, that you know my heart and that I can expect a reward from you. Okay, and that's really important because, look, getting rewards in the age to come is one of the truly great purposes of life, all right? It is one of the true purposes of life, and, you know, getting persecuted for speaking out. See, a lot of people don't understand this. There, A lot of Christians, 
think that they're never supposed to get persecuted, right? Or they don't understand why people get persecuted, right? But the reason you get persecuted is because you speak truth in controversial issues. That's how you get persecuted. That's how Jesus was persecuted. That's how the apostles were persecuted. They spoke truth in areas of controversy, okay? Nobody's going to persecute you if you say, hey, you want to follow Jesus? He loves you so much, he's got a purpose for your life right? Nobody's going to persecute you for that, right? They're going to persecute you when you say, hey, and you need to repent for this sin and this sin and this sin. That's the part where you're going to start getting persecuted, right? And that's how this works, okay? So speaking into areas of controversy with conviction from the Holy Spirit is one of the main ways that you can receive rewards in the age to come, all right? There's a very good reason to rejoice in those circumstances, but you have to have the right perspective, okay? And so I would encourage you, study on eternal rewards. Study the theology of it. Get a strong paradigm for that, because you're going to need it if you're really going to wade into some of these waters, okay? All right, principle number three, okay? Only rebuke people that you think might receive it, okay? Only rebuke people that you think might receive it. Okay, so what I mean specifically here is that sometimes we might feel like it's our responsibility to correct somebody, right? And I always make a distinction. You should speak freely concerning ideas, okay? Like, hey, abortion is evil. That's, I'm speaking against an idea, right? That's fine. We should do that kind of thing all day long. But if I say, hey, um, Bob over here is you know, is, is, is wrong, right? Bob, you're wrong, right? For speaking up in favor of abortion. Okay. That now this is a different thing. This is a rebuke. Okay. One is I am attacking an idea and two is now I'm attacking a person. Okay. Now I want to be clear. There are times where we are supposed to rebuke people. All right, that is part of the Bible. There's many passages where people are rebuked, okay? And that is one of our responsibilities as Christians, all right, to sometimes rebuke people, all right? But the rule of thumb is this, only rebuke people that you think might receive it, okay? Matthew 7, this is all, you know, from the Sermon on the Mount so far. Jesus says this, do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces, Okay, and so the idea here, okay, it's not trying to necessarily say that, you know, these people are dogs and pigs per se, but the idea is that a pig can't understand that a pearl is valuable, right? The pig doesn't understand that, okay? And so because of that, if you try and give the the pig a pearl, the pig is not going to be like, wow, thank you so much for that, <laughs> right? Master, you're the best, right? Like, the pig doesn't care that you gave it a pearl, right? It doesn't see value in it. And that's the same thing. Don't try and give something of great value to somebody who doesn't see the value in it, all right? And in the in the in in this context, when we're talking about sp- speaking correction or rebuke to people, right, um, you should have some kind of idea if this person has a hope of receiving this rebuke, okay? I would say that... 90 to 99% of the rebukes I ever think of, right? The people would probably not receive it, would almost certainly not receive it, okay? So that's why I don't give rebukes to 90 to 99% of the people that I could potentially rebuke, right? I'm not going to rebuke them. Why? Because they're not going to receive it. If they're not going to receive it, then the only thing that's going to happen is they're going to get enraged and they're going to attack me, okay? Now, 
there might be times where the Spirit of God still brings conviction and wants you to give a rebuke even though you know that they're not going to receive it, okay? That does happen sometimes, all right? We see that in, in many cases in Scripture, like when Stephen, right, rebukes the entire Sanhedrin, right, and he becomes the first martyr of the church because they did not receive his correction, right? So sometimes that does happen, but the general principle is that we should not feel obligated to try and give a rebuke or a correction to somebody who would not value it, all right? We give our rebukes and our correction to people who would value it, all right? And and that's a beautiful thing. That's a great thing, right? You know somebody would, would appreciate your correction, wants help in this area, right? And so you give them correction, and they have that kind of respect for you. Well, that's great. Okay, but people online, generally speaking, if we're if we're talking about engaging on Facebook or Instagram or any of these places, uh, I'd recommend you you rarely rebuke. <laughs> okay, rarely rebuke. Okay, individuals. All right, because usually they're almost never going to receive it. Okay, um, and if you rebuke them, the general rule of thumb is do it privately. Okay, public rebuke is you know not something that you should be really engaging in um, when we're dealing at this kind of a level of you know, five basic principles for dealing with social media stuff, okay? Like, rebuke people privately, all right? Don't do it publicly, okay? Now, in some cases, leaders should publicly rebuke, but that's kind of a different thing, okay? All right, principle number four is dealing with control, okay? In my in my opinion, this is one of the main issues that Christians have to learn in these times. They have to learn. And I want to speak specifically to Asian American Christians because I work a lot with Asians. And I'll tell you, Asians are terrible at dealing with control. They're terrible at it. Okay. And that's because in Asian culture, you know, like <laughs> there's not there's not much wisdom on on control, okay, and how control works. Okay. What control is, it's an attempt to manipulate, intimidate right, or make people do what you want them to do, right, and um, it's it's really problematic, right, in Asian culture, there is this expectation that if you're younger, you have to obey somebody that's older, and if you say no, right, um, then you're in the wrong, and that's simply not true, it's simply not true, there's a lot of times where you have to defy people who are in authority over you, Okay, like it's very important, like meaning you're sinning if you do not defy them. Okay, now I should be clear here, you know, you can give honor to somebody and still tell them no, right? You can have honor for them in your heart, you can love them, you can you can respect them, and you can still tell them no. And that's an example of putting up a, a healthy boundary. But when you're dealing with people and we're dealing with authorities, almost always at times, you're going to have to tell authorities no, okay? Now, some authorities are much better at staying in their lane, right? Meaning, not trying to give you commands in an area where they don't have real authority to give you that command, okay? Some authorities are better with that, and you don't ever have to tell them no, okay? But in the vast majority of cases, there are going to be times where you have to tell them no, right? Sometimes you got to tell your boss no, right? The boss is like, hey, I need you to stay, you know, I need you to stay till 1 a.m. today, Right? And he asks you to do that, you know, every day for the past three months, right? Like that, you know, at some point you should put your foot down and be like, hey, I like you. I like this job, but I'm not doing that, right? You put your foot down, okay? That's an example of of putting up a boundary, all right? And putting up boundaries is how we deal with the control spirit, okay? And the reason I bring this up is because when you're engaging online, 
man, there's going to be so many attempts to manipulate, to intimidate, right? All this kind of stuff to fill you. The, the purpose of a lot of people's posts is to fill you with fear and discouragement and all this kind of stuff so that you won't continue doing what you're doing, right? That's the idea. And so you need to learn to recognize the types of attacks and learn how to deal with them, right? You brush them off and you forgive character attacks, okay? Character attacks are one of the main ways that control manifests on social media, right? So for example, I say, hey, yay, Roe versus Wade is overturned. What a great thing. And someone says, you are a terrible Christian and you don't care about people at all, all right? This person in this hypothetical situation is simply just attacking you right? It's a character attack. They're going after you, right? They're not dealing with whatever argument that you're making, right? They're not giving you some kind of position. They're not giving you any kind of reasoning. They're simply attacking you, all right? Well, you need to recognize this. Number one, they are wrong, okay? They are wrong, all right? You cannot discern whether someone is loving by whether they support a particular position or not, right? You don't know, okay? In the same way, that person does not know, how you care for people or anything like that. No, they're just manifesting their offense, right? They're just very offended. They hate, you know, Roe versus Wade being overturned and they're now attacking you, okay? So what you want to do is you want to brush it off, okay? You brush it off, okay? And you forgive them. Father, I forgive them for this character attack, but I'm not going to give in to their attempt to discourage me. I'm not going to give in to that attempt, okay? Now, you don't need to even answer those types of things. Generally speaking, I don't answer character attacks. Usually I'll warn somebody, if somebody posts a character attack on my wall, I'll warn them once. If they do it again, I usually ban them, okay? Now that's great. Use the ban button on social media, right? Block them, okay? And that's for people that engage in those types of character attacks often, all right? You should just block them, okay? And they might be they might be cool people otherwise, okay? I'm not saying that they're terrible people per se, but I am saying that if they're allowed to continue to do that kind of stuff on your wall, it's going to be discouraging for you and it's it's going to start fights on your social media wall and all kinds of terrible things, okay? So yeah, block those people, okay? Block them. They don't have the maturity to be able to engage in discussion on these issues. That's really what it is, okay? And But on your end, what you need to do is you have to forgive them, okay? Because you, what you don't want, you don't want somebody making a character attack against you, you getting hurt and offended, and now you're responding out of your hurt and offense, Okay, that's very common, all right? And there have definitely been times where I have been attacked and I have, you know, quickly replied, you know, and I didn't realize until later, you know, there was some offense in my reply, right? That was part of what was motivating me to reply. And I had to go back to that person and be like, hey, I'm sorry for saying that, right? And the thing is, you know, in that case, that person really sinned against me first, okay? But I'm responsible for my own sin. Right, so I went back to that person and said, "Hey, I'm sorry for saying that. Okay, I'm not expecting you to apologize. I'm just saying I, it was my bad. Okay, and we have to do that sometimes. Okay, in in Matthew five, Jesus says, "You've heard it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies, and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. He causes his sun to rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get?" Are not even the tax collectors doing that? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that? Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Okay? And so this is this is the idea. There's lots of people that engage online, and there there's 
you can discern that there's a fence embedded in a lot of their posts, okay? That a lot of what they're writing out is their personal offense and their hurt. And I want to encourage you, don't engage in that spirit. Don't engage in that spirit. And I will tell you, it is hard to discern, especially if you're just starting um, to post stuff on social media. It's very difficult to discern. But I want to encourage you, um, it, learn to grow in this area, right? So if you recognize, oh my gosh, I think that thing I posted the other day, I think there was an offense there. Well, hey, go, go repent. Go make that right, okay? Go message the person. Be like, hey, I'm sorry. I put it like that. I should have said it more like this. Just want you to know I, I care about you. Whatever, okay? Do what you have to do to fix, you know, whatever you might have done in offense. But the point is you want to learn to be able to consistently engage in these types of things without getting offended, Okay, and I'll just tell you, it's extremely difficult. Okay, it's extremely, extremely difficult. Okay, um, so don't get discouraged if it happens. All right, but this is part of what it is to become a resilient person: is to be able to handle attacks, be able to handle slander, be able to handle handle these kinds of you know these kinds of things, and yet not have that kick you out of the space, right? Because there's kind of two ways you can go down the wrong path, right? Number one, you can just, you can hit punch back, right? Punch back in the same spirit, punch back with the same, you know, offense and uncharitable interpretations and all this kind of stuff, you know, or you can just be like, you know, man, this stuff is too toxic. I want to get out of here, right? And you can do either of those things. Um, and I would argue that both of those things are the wrong answer, okay? We are to speak the truth in love, all right? And see it as training where you're learning how to engage rightly, okay, in some of these public spaces and things like that, okay? Okay, um, number two, all right, on, on dealing with control, you don't need to prove that you care, okay? If somebody accuses you of like, hey, you're a racist, hey, you're this, you don't need to start defending yourself and be like, no, I've got black friends, you know, no, I take care of the poor, I donate, you don't need to do any of that, okay? And, pr and trust me, those things aren't going to matter, to most people, because most people are making those types of attacks, you know, not because they actually care whether you're a caring person or not. They're charging you with, hey, if you have this opinion, I, in my mind, only the people that don't care have this opinion. Does that make sense? They're they're speaking out of their own bias, okay, and they don't they don't really care if you do or don't, okay. So all I'm getting at is there's a lot of argumentation that goes on, hey. You're only allowed to speak on, you know, abortion if you're a woman. Men are not allowed to speak on abortion, right? Or something like that. You don't need to listen to any of that garbage, right? Don't listen to any of that, you know? Only black people can speak on issues of BLM, right? No, that's not true at all, okay? None of those things are true, all right? So don't give in to those types of manipulative tactics, okay? That's all it is. It's pure manipulation intended to try and shut down your voice, okay? And all of this should show you how important it is for you to continue to use your voice, all right? This is this is what we do as Christians. We speak the truth in love, right? Whether it, it brings blessing for us or curses for us, we speak the truth in love knowing that God, we're doing it as, as an act of worship and service to the Lord, okay? All right, and the last point I'm going to make today, the last principle, okay, is that if someone makes a good point, like say you post something about, again, we're just using the Roe versus Wade stuff, Hey, Roe versus Wade is great. And so it says, hey, you know, you know, like there's a chance that now this could increase abortions because even more states will, you know, have abortion till birth or something like that. Say they make a good point, okay? 
I'm, I don't think that's a good point. But just pretend that I could come up with a great point on the fly here. All right. If somebody makes a good point, take the time to research and find out if there's a good answer to that person's point. Okay? And this is one of the main ways that we grow. All right? You know, I can just say as a pastor, you know, you know, as a pastor, you know, I'll speak on lots of different issues. And most of the issues that I speak about, people don't care about. <laughs> right? Like, you know, they don't care. Like, if I'm, so let's say I'm going to speak on Calvinism. I'm going to be like, hey, you know, Calvinism, it's not really biblical for this reason and because this scripture and because this scripture. You know, most people are going to be like, oh, I don't really care. I wish Pastor Dennis would, would talk about something I care about. Right? But you know when they'll care? When they get challenged on it, personally challenged on it. All right? You know, and that exact thing happened. I remember we went to this event and some of my students got challenged by some very, you know, passionate Calvinists, <laughs> you know, who are basically implying, you know, that you're not saved unless you're you're Calvinist or something like that. And all of a sudden, you know, these students come to me with all these questions about Calvinism, right? Why? Because now they've been personally challenged, right? They've been challenged in a way where they need to to learn, right? And that, that's actually a really healthy thing. It's a healthy thing to be challenged, right? That's why I say, if you speak out on something and somebody gives you a strong counter argument, that's a great thing, even if it's kind of humbling for you, right? Even if it's kind of embarrassing that, man, I tried to speak out on something and this person came back with all this this data and all these facts and, and this really good reasoning and I have no answer for that, Right? That's a great thing because what that does is it gives you motivation to learn, okay? It gives you motivation to learn, all right? And Proverbs 9, 8 says this, do not rebuke mockers or they will hate you. Rebuke the wise and they will love you, okay? This is the beautiful thing, you know, about humility and wisdom is that when we're corrected, all right, when somebody comes back with something that is a strong point and I don't know, well, that's a great opportunity to now, I'm going to go and I'm going to find out. I'm going to research. Okay, what are there good counterarguments for what this person has said, right? And you go out there and you look. And this is a huge part of the way that we grow and that we learn, right? And this is how you get motivation to do all of that. So don't be discouraged. If somebody makes a good argument, that's awesome. Go and research. And I promise you, you know, there are very good arguments out there that you probably don't know, especially if you're just starting to speak out on all this, right? And um, and that's a great thing, okay? So don't be discouraged. Go research, and then you can, you know, make your argument, you know, once you have discovered it, right? Or once you've learned it. That's a great thing. Okay. All right. So those are five principles for engaging on social media. I hope that's somewhat helpful for some of you. I just want to lastly just say, hey, if this is you and you're like, I do feel this conviction to speak out on social media or in other forums or places where I have influence, I just want to encourage you and say, hey, great job. Great job. I know it's a it's a thankless thing. You're not going to get promoted or rewarded for it in this life <laughs> or you, you know maybe later in this life, but probably not in the short term. Um, but if you're doing it out of reverence for the Lord, okay, and desire to serve and please him, I just want to say well done. Okay, well done. And I pray that the Lord leads you and gives you grace um, because we're fighting for our nation. And this is the time where the church has to rise up with, a, with real truth, okay, and speak the truth in love. Okay, God bless. See you guys.